From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Berry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we unpack top news stories out of our radio newsrooms across the country. On Deadline today is the fourth indictment of former President Donald Trump, who now has more indictments than presidential election campaigns. The latest set of charges includes racketeering, or RICO charges, in Georgia. Now, when you hear RICO charges, it might bring to mind images of Tony Soprano in a bathrobe with his boxer shorts on, jumping over hedges as law enforcement closes in. That's because the latest Trump charges are often brought against members of organized crime outfits. For example, Gambino crime family boss John Gotti. In addition to his three other indictments, Trump now faces 13 criminal counts in Georgia, including a violation of the state's RICO Act. 18 other people are also charged with him. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, an expert in RICO cases, says Trump was the head of a criminal enterprise. Instead of shaking down business owners, she says this enterprise tried to overturn a Democratic election. Trump and the other 18 defendants named on the indictment now have until Friday, August 25th, to turn themselves in voluntarily. One new wrinkle here. The state court trial could also be televised in its entirety, creating a political courtroom spectacle the likes of which the United States has never seen. For more on the indictment and the long list of those charged alongside the president, ABC's Stephen Portnoy joined Odyssey in Buffalo, New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, late last night, we're up late reading it. 100 pages, nearly. Uh, 41 counts accusing the former president, his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, John Eastman, Jenna Ellis, and a bunch of others. They're accused with a, of a raft of crimes. The grand jury here in Fulton County says that these defendants conspired to make false statements, commit forgery, and push state officials into violating their oaths of office. And some Trump activists, supporters, are charged with impersonating public officers by signing certificates that claim that they were this state's duly chosen electors. The district attorney is pursuing this as a racketeering case. She is alleging that the former president was at the head of a criminal enterprise. She wants all 19 co-defendants to be tried together, and she wants this trial underway within the next six months. There's no way to know at this point whether that's going to actually play out as Bonnie Willis desires. But we've talked to legal experts who say that this is a very serious matter for the former president, if for no other reason than the fact that, look, he's, he's obviously aiming to be reelected president. The, the federal charges, uh, the Constitution of the United States allows for the president of the United States to, you know, have control over the executive branch, just ultimately reach down into the Justice Department and have a case dismissed, even pardon himself in theory. But when the state of Georgia brings a case against you. You can't pardon yourself if you're the president of the United States. In fact, to to qualify for a pardon here in the state of Georgia, your ask is not to the governor because, you know, almost a century ago, there was a governor who corruptly used the pardon power. So the people of this state decided to take the power away from him. And they awarded it instead to a board of independent people appointed by the governor who weighs applications for pardons after a prison term is already served and after you've spent five years in a law-abiding life. Only then are you eligible for a pardon here in Georgia. For those keeping score, Trump is now facing a total of 91 criminal charges for the four legal cases he's fighting. This includes 34 counts in his Manhattan hush money case, 40 in his classified documents case, four in his federal election subversion case, 
and now the 13 in the Georgia election meddling case. Trump has pleaded not guilty to all of the earlier charges. But some legal experts believe that the Georgia indictment could be his most challenging case yet, partly due to the racketeering charges. Jeffrey Grell from the University of Minnesota Law School joined Odyssey in the Twin Cities to discuss the RICO Act and Trump. First of all, Kent, for just to kind of get everyone up to speed, what exactly is it and what kind, what will it mean in this particular case? Well, Vanita, the RICO Act is the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organization Act. It is, in this case, uh, Ms. Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, is using the Georgia version of the law. Uh, it's very, very similar to the federal RICO Act, but it is under state law, which uh, basically means that uh, she's in control and, and other Georgia officials are in control. For example, it's, it's not a crime that could be pardoned by President Biden or if Trump was elected in 2024, he couldn't pardon himself. It's under state law, but it's a law that was essentially addressed to address the mafia, passed to address the mafia, and it's being used in this case to address the selection interference. And if you look at the indictment, there are 41 counts. One of them is a RICO count, and Ms. Willis last night explained that the one RICO count includes basically all the other 40 crimes that are charged out individually in the indictment as well. So RICO basically just brings everything together in one count against all 19 of the defendants that are listed in the indictment. And similar to what the U.S. Attorney Andy Luger did in Minneapolis earlier this summer, it enables the prosecutor to charge everybody all at once with this massive you know, criminal charge. So it's a different approach to prosecution, and it has different elements of proof. But it's a criminal statute. It's a felony. And it requires a certain minimum number of, of years to be spent in prison as well, if anyone is convicted. When the district attorney opened that probe back in February of 2021, it sounded like, and she was pretty clear from the beginning, that she was investigating these potential violations of the state laws and was looking at conspiracy, racketeering, and any involvement in violence or threats related to the administration of the 2020 election. So from the very beginning, this was kind of her goal to go after it from this angle. Yeah, she's used it. A lot. I mean, she earlier this year, she uh, sued the gang YSL, young slug uh, rapper. He was charged in Rico and he's a incredibly popular rap star. She was also involved in the Atlanta cheating scandal as a prosecutor several years ago. She's one one county attorney that's not afraid to use Rico and she's used it a lot. And yeah, she's always made it clear that she would use it against the former president if it applied. And she said that yesterday that after their investigation, they applied the facts to the law and and uh, charged him with all of these 41 counts. In this case, former President Trump has said, you know, he's being unfairly targeted, that this is very political. In fact, uh, from what I saw last night, been hearing that he was fundraising related to this because there was something released by Fulton County earlier in the day before all the proceedings were done and then taken off uh, their website. Could that play into this at all or jeopardize anything because of that release? I think that's a very unlikely problem from a, from a legal standpoint. This is a 97-page document, which is typical for RICO charges, whether civil or criminal. They're very, very long because you're dealing with, with a pattern of activity. It doesn't apply to one-time sporadic conduct. It only applies to long-term conduct. So RICO Complaints by their nature are very long, and uh, any lawyer will tell you you don't put together a 97-page document 
in three minutes before it's released to the public. These are documents that are worked on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And uh, and as the grand jury goes along and, and hears witnesses, they decide whether to bring a particular charge or not. There's 161 different uh, uh, crimes or overt acts and furtherance of the conspiracy that are alleged. Obviously, the grand jury heard evidence relating to each one of those and then would add it to the indictment. And there was probably a younger assistant attorney there uh, creating this document as the grand jury went along. And then eventually yesterday, the grand jury signed off on the entire indictment. But uh, I would say just as a, as a lawyer who's filed things electronically with many courts, uh, sometimes you make a mistake and, and, and you push the, the send button early. And uh, and I, I think a clerk or probably did that in this case. And it's just that a draft was was probably uh, filed electronically and then taken down, gotcha. which yeah, it, it happens. But, yeah, these things aren't drafted in, in a couple of minutes. It, it was a draft. That's a good point. Uh, just real quickly. What are the next steps now? It sounds like things are going to move fairly promptly. Yeah, it's going to be similar from what I gather to the processes that Trump has gone through in other indictments. He's going to appear, make an appearance at some point in time. Again, he's not a normal defendant, so this will all be highly orchestrated just because of security concerns and dealing with crowds. And so he'll he'll make an appearance at some point. He'll plead guilty or not guilty, and a, a schedule will be set uh, by the court, uh, a calendar, and then the case will proceed. While Georgia D.A. Willis has made it clear she would like to get the trial underway within six months, legal experts say the sheer size of the case would make that timeline extremely challenging, if not impossible. There's also danger lurking for Trump in the tangle of other defendants facing charges alongside him. More defendants means more time needed to build defense cases, more motions, more paperwork, more everything. To discuss the filing and emphasize how big the case truly is, legal analyst Ricky Kleeman joined Odyssey in New York City. It is breathtaking indeed. It is 98 pages. It alleges what we did expect it to allege. That is that she is, the prosecutor, Fonnie Willis, is an expert um, in the area of what we call RICO, which is a racketeering indictment. That used to be saved for the mob. That was why it was created. And over time, it was done for gangs and other kinds of organizations. Here, what she has said is that uh, Donald Trump and his uh, allies uh, got together and together they formed what they call a racketeering enterprise. And that she alleges some, you want breathtaking? 161 acts in terms of what she claims are part of the pattern of racketeering activity. So that does leave you breathless. The weight of the indictment could also leave you with a sore arm. I mean, it is just huge. And 19 defendants, by the way, is a very cumbersome way to try a case. I've tried some multiple defendant cases. I think the largest I ever tried was around 12 or 13. You cannot believe how long it takes to try a case like that. At once. So all, uh, at once. Yeah. Um, because that means 19 people, uh, lawyers, get to ask jurors perspective questions. 19 people get to cross-examine every witness. 
So Fannie Willis, the prosecutor, is saying she wants a speedy trial, and she's going to try them all together. Well, I don't know about a speedy trial in Georgia. Georgia has a much slower docket than speedy. But nonetheless, if it gets to trial, this case could take a year to try. I heard the legal opinion earlier that even with this happening all at once, all these defendants at once, they could point the fingers at each other, and that may not help the former president. Indeed true. One of the things that often happens when you indict a great number of people is what we call um, the race to the courthouse. That is, who is going to get there first? to try to make a cooperative deal and work it out with the prosecutor so that they are not going to go to jail. So you already have that impetus for people to say, oh, I better get there first because I'm not going to be the last person standing. On the other hand, if this group of 19 remains tight and together, they still have the problem you bring up, which is during the course of a trial, it's natural that one person says, well, I didn't do that. You did that or she or he did that. So you can't pin that one on me. So these cases can become really difficult for defense lawyers. As the first GOP nominee debate nears, Trump's mountain of legal troubles could be cannon fodder for his Republican adversaries. So far, he's been able to use the indictments to his advantage for fundraising, and he's managed to stay out in front of the GOP candidate pack. However, polls show that most of the country has an unfavorable opinion of the former president as his legal troubles mushroom. At the same time, Emerson College poll results released this week show that approval ratings for President Joe Biden are actually trending up. The first debate for Republicans is scheduled for Wednesday, August 23rd, just two days before Trump is expected to voluntarily turn himself in for that Georgia case. But Trump has been criticizing the RNC requirements for that debate, and as of this recording, it's unclear if he's even going to show up. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strauser, Myron Kaplan, and Bill Smee. I'm Lauren Barry, and I want to say thanks for listening to the On Deadline podcast, Odyssey's deeper look at a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts to stay informed. Stay informed.